This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for April 18th, and we begin today in Joshua chapter 16, discussing the allotments of the tribe of Israel, of the tribes of Israel, in the Promised Land. Um, we'll get the most out of this if, uh, while we listen, we're looking at a map of these allotments. And if you do an internet search, you will find many maps available to be able to follow along. If you have a favorite, feel free to post it in the comments. That would be great. The allotment for the descendants of Joseph extended from the Jordan River near Jericho, east of the springs of Jericho, through the wilderness and into the hill country of Bethel. From Bethel, that is Lutz, it ran over to Ataroth in the territory of the Archites. Then it descended westward to the territory of the Japhletites, as far as lower Beth-Horon, and then to Gezer and over to the Mediterranean Sea. This was the homeland allotted to the families of Joseph's sons Manasseh and Ephraim. The following territory was given to the clans of the tribe of Ephraim. The boundary of their homeland began, began at Adaroth Adar in the east. From there it ran to Upper Beth Horon and then to the Mediterranean Sea. From Michmethath on the north, the boundary curved eastward past Teanath, Shiloh, to the east of Genoa. From Genoa it turned southward to Adaroth and Neera, touched Jericho, and ended at the Jordan River. From Tapua, the boundary extended westward, following the Cana Ravine to the Mediterranean Sea. This is the homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Ephraim. In addition, some towns with their surrounding villages in the territory allocated to the half-tribe of Manasseh were set aside for the tribe of Ephraim. They did not drive the Canaanites out of Gezer, however, so the people of Gezer live as slaves among the people of Ephraim to this day. The next allotment of land was given to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph's older son, Machir, the firstborn son of Manasseh, was the father of Gilead. Because his descendants were experienced soldiers, the regions of Gilead and Bashan on the east side of the Jordan had already been given to them. So the allotment on the west side of the Jordan was for the remaining families within the clans of the tribe of Manasseh, Abba-Ezer, Halek, Asriel, Shechem, Hefer, and Shemida. These clans represent the male descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph. However, Zelophehad, a descendant of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, had no sons. He had only daughters whose names were Mela, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Tirza. These women came to Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the Israelite leaders, and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us a grant of land along with the men of our tribe. So Joshua gave them a grant of land along with their uncles, as the Lord had commanded. As a result, Manasseh's total allocation came to ten parcels of land, in addition to the land of Gilead and Bashan across the Jordan River. Because the female descendants of Manasseh received a grant of land along with the male descendants, the 
land of Gilead was given to the rest of the male descendants of Manasseh. The boundary of the tribe of Manasseh extended from the border of Asher to Michmathah near Shechem. Then the boundary went south from Michmathah to the settlement near the spring of Tapua. The land surrounding Tapua belonged to Manasseh, but the town of Tapua itself, on the border of Manasseh's territory, belonged to the tribe of Ephraim. From the spring of Tapua, the boundary of Manasseh followed the Cana Ravine to the Mediterranean Sea. Several towns south of the ravine were inside Manasseh's territory, but they actually belonged to the tribe of Ephraim. In general, however, the land south of the ravine belonged to Ephraim, and the land north of the ravine belonged to Manasseh. Manasseh's boundary ran along the north side of the ravine and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. North of Manasseh was the territory of Asher, and to the east was the territory of Issachar. The following towns within the territory of Issachar and Asher, however, were given to Manasseh, Bethshan, Iblium, Dor, that is, Naphoth-Dor, Endor, Teanek, and Megiddo, each with their surrounding settlements. But the descendants of Manasseh were unable to occupy these towns. They could not drive out the Canaanites who continued to live there. Later, however, when the Israelites became strong enough, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves, but they did not drive them out of the land. The descendants of Joseph came to Joshua and asked, Why have you given us only one portion of land as our homeland, when the Lord has blessed us with so many people? Joshua replied, If there are so many of you, and if the hill country of Ephraim is not large enough for you, clear out land for yourself in the forest where the Perizzites and Rephites live. The descendants of Joseph responded, It's true that the hill country is not large enough for us, but all the Canaanites in the lowlands have iron chariots, both those in Bashan and its surrounding settlements, and those in the valley of Jezreel. They are too strong for us. Then Joseph said to the tribes, excuse me, Joshua said to the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph, Since you are so large and strong, you will be given more than one portion. The forests of the hill country will be yours as well. Clear as much of the land as you wish and take possession of its farthest corners. And you will drive out the Canaanites from the valleys too, even though they are strong and have iron chariots. Now that the land was under Israelite control, the entire community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. And it remained at Shiloh for about 300 years. But there remained seven tribes who had not yet been allotted their grants of land. Then Joshua asked them, How long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given to you? Select three men from each tribe, and I will send them out to explore the land and map it out. They will then return to me with a written report of their proposed divisions of their new homeland. Let them divide the land into seven sections, excluding Judah's territory in the south and Joseph's territory in the north. And when you record the seven divisions of the land, bring them to me. I will cast sacred lots in the presence of the Lord our God to assign land to each tribe. The Levites, however, will not receive any allotment of land. Their role as priests of the Lord is their allotment. And the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh won't receive any more land, for they have already received their grant of land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them on the east side of the Jordan River. 
As the men started on their way to map out the land, Joshua commanded them, go and explore the land and write a description of it. Then return to me and I will assign the land to the tribes by casting sacred lots here in the presence of the Lord at Shiloh. The men did as they were told and mapped the entire territory into seven sections, listing the towns in each section. They made a written record and then returned to Joshua in the camp at Shiloh. And there at Shiloh, Joshua cast sacred lots in the presence of the Lord to determine which tribe should have each section. The first allotment of land went to the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. It lay between the territory assigned to the tribes of Judah and Joseph. And I was thinking this morning as I read this, because I've been practicing these town names, uh, it was interesting, wasn't it? Benjamin, thinking about that original story of Benjamin and Joseph and Judah. Joseph, of course, was Benjamin's uh, full brother, and Judah offered himself as a guarantee to protect Benjamin. So it's interesting here that the tribe of Benjamin is flanked by the tribes of Judah and Joseph, his protectors. The northern boundary of Benjamin's land began at the Jordan River, went north of the slope of Jericho, then west through the hill country and the wilderness of Beth-Avon. From there, the boundary went south to Lutz, that is Bethel, and proceeded down to Adaroth-Adar on the hill that lies south of lower Beth-Horon. The boundary then made a turn and swung south along the western edge of the hill facing Beth-Horon, ending at the village of Kiriath-Baal that is, Kiriath-Jerim, a town belonging to the tribe of Judah. This was the western boundary. The southern boundary began at the outskirts of Kiriath-Jerim. From that western point it ran to the spring at the waters of Nephtoah, and down to the base of the mountain beside the valley of Beth-Hinnom, at the northern end of the valley of Rephaim. From there it went down to the valley of Hinnom, crossing south of the slope where the Jebusites lived, and continuing down to Enrogel. From Enrogel, the boundary proceeded in a northerly direction and came to En-Shemesh and on to Galioth, which is across from the slopes of Adumam. Then it went down to the stone of Bohan. Bohan was Reuben's son. From there it passed along the north side of the slope overlooking the Jordan Valley. The border then went down into the valley, ran past the north slope of Beth-Hogla, and ended at the north bay of the Dead Sea, which is the southern end of the Jordan River. This was the southern boundary. The eastern boundary was the Jordan River. These were the boundaries of the homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. These were the towns given to the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. Jericho, Beth-Hogla, Emek-Kaziz, Beth-Arba, Zem-Aram, Bethel, Avim, Parah, Ophrah, Kephar Ammoni, Ophni, and Geba, twelve towns in their surrounding villages, also Gibeon, Ramah, Biroth, Mitzbah, Kephira, Moza, Rechem, Irpil, Tar-Alah, Zila, Ha'elef, Jebus, that is Jerusalem, Gibeah, and Kiriath, fourteen towns in their surrounding villages. This was the homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. 
When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and Because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. In your own words, your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least it could have gotten some interest on it. Then, turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from them, from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. Psalm 87, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. On the holy mountain stands the city founded by the Lord. He loves the city of Jerusalem more than any other city in Israel. O city of God, what glorious things are said of you! I will count Egypt and Babylon among those who know me, also Philistia and Tyre, and even distant Ethiopia. They have all become citizens of Jerusalem. Regarding Jerusalem, it will be said, everyone enjoys the rights of citizenship there. And the Most High will personally bless this city. When the Lord registers the nations, he will say, They have all become citizens of Jerusalem. The people will play flutes and sing, The source of my life springs from Jerusalem. Proverbs 13.11 
Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. And to end today, we are back with Selwyn Hughes with Hind's Feet in High Places, this focusing on Psalm 18, verse 36, which says, You enlarged my path under me so that my feet did not slip. In my research into ways, the ways of the mountain deer, I came across an interesting but sad tale of a hunter who came across a deer grazing at the foot of a high mountain. He took aim with his rifle, but the bullet seemed to miss its mark. The startled animal raced towards the mountains, and the hunter watched in amazement as he saw it leap from rock to rock with consummate skill. Higher and higher went the animal, but suddenly its back feet appeared to slip, and although it struggled frantically to regain its footing, it fell hundreds of feet into a ravine and was instantly killed. When the hunter arrived at the spot where the animal lay, he noticed a small burn on its flank caused by the bullet he had fired, which had simply grazed the animal without penetrating its flesh. The hunter says it was obvious what had happened. The graze had affected the deer's coordination, and in a moment when it needed to move swiftly and safely to the mountain height, it did not proceed with its usual perfect correlation. Its back feet did not land on the precise spot where its front feet had been, and although it was only an inch off, it was enough to bring about its fall. This illustration must not be pushed too far and made to mean that a misstep on the mountain of God will bring about our spiritual death. A misstep, however, will undoubtedly hinder our spiritual progress and prevent us from climbing as swiftly as we ought into the heights of God. O oh, Father, make us the kind of people whose hearts and minds move forward into your purposes with perfect unity and coordination. Help us not to miss our steps, not even by inches. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you all. Have a wonderful day.